1: Hey, it's Jeff here. What you're about to hear is the recording from our weekly Context and Clarity live show that I co-host with Catherine McPhail. Every week we bring in a special guest that will help us dig even deeper and find even more clarity around the most popular Context and Clarity topics. This version of Context and Clarity is simulcast to Facebook and LinkedIn and YouTube and Twitch. Oh, and did I mention that they're live? We're operating without a net, so we may hit a few rough patches and stumble every once in a while. But I think these guests and these conversations are important enough that we really shouldn't keep them to ourselves. So with that, let's jump into this week's episode. All right, Entree Architect community, it's 4 p.m. Eastern, which means it's time for the Context and Clarity Live conversation for Thursday. May 27th, 2021. Thanks for joining us. Uh, As you get here, say hi. Let us know that you're here and let us know where you're joining this conversation from. If we've never met before, my name is Jeff. I'm in Indianapolis and I come here every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern for one reason, so that we can find clarity around the things that matter most to you. The architect. And it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm or you've started your own firm. Maybe you've had a firm for a year or 10 years or 27 years, and you're starting to rethink or reimagine what that firm could or maybe even should be. Or maybe you've circled a date on the calendar. You said 2021 is my year, and you're on the runway to starting your own thing. We come here every weekday afternoon at one at 4 p.m. Eastern, um, so that we can find clarity around the need-to-know topics for the success of small firm architects, just like you. Now, this is Thursday. This is the Context and Clarity live version. It looks a little bit different. It's a special version. I'm joined today, as every Thursday, by Catherine McPhail. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Jeff. How are you today?
2: I'm great. I'm actually right. pretty good. How are
1: you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm looking forward to this conversation today. Uh, For those of you that are out there uh, listening to this in the future, either uh, the recording of the live stream on either uh, Facebook in the Entree Architect Community Facebook group or on LinkedIn or Twitch or YouTube, hello, welcome. Welcome. Once you see this, as you're watching this, you can reply, you can comment in the comment section. Just use the hashtag replay. Say, hey, I'm watching the replay right now. If you're out there in podcast land, if you're listening to the audio recording of this sometime in the future, welcome. Glad that you're listening in. We've got a great conversation scheduled, a great conversation ahead of us yet today. I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, We've been talking all week about marketing architecture. And I think the guest that we have here that we'll introduce here momentarily is going to maybe shed a little bit of new light on some things that you can do, some different ways to think about marketing architecture, marketing your architecture firm. Uh, Catherine has placed a little link down at the bottom left-hand corner of the screen. If you are on Facebook right now, Because of Facebook's privacy policies, if you're on Facebook, you're in the Entree Architect Community Facebook group, that's a private group. We can't extract information from the Facebook group. It's not allowed. It's part of the privacy policy. That's actually a good thing. However, you can give Facebook permission to publish your name. I'm looking at the screen right now. I see Ryan Shoup in Middle New Jersey. He's on Facebook. I can see his name because he's clicked on the link that is, or, or gone to the link that's in the bottom left corner of your stream, your screen, uh, chat.restream.io/fb, as in Facebook. If you want your name to show up, uh, if you're on Facebook, you want your name to show up rather than just Facebook user, then go to chat.restream.io slash FB, and uh, they'll tell you how to give Facebook permission to publish your name here on the screen as uh, as we uh, stream this out to the entire internet. It's really our goal to break the internet by doing this, but we I don't know if we've really achieved that yet.
2: No, we need to put a little more effort into it.
1: Yeah. I I we're going we to we're gonna have to res- get to some more channels or something, yeah. jam it all up. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Margarita says she's testing. Yep. Very good. We see you. We hear you, Margarita. Great to see you. Nicole, we see you in Tempe, Arizona. Um, we Like I said, I see Ryan in uh, middle New Jersey. We see Leslie down in South Florida. Glad to have all of you with us. And anybody else, Benita, we see you in Atlanta. Glad to have you with us. And uh, Hans up in Portland, Maine. One of the uh, things that I really love about these, uh, these conversations is that they do stream all around the all around the world. Uh, it is not uncommon for us to have someone uh, on the west coast, usually in California, all the way around the world to Australia, all at the same time, which is just amazing, right? That actually spans two different days. So our friends in Australia that are tuning into this are tuning in from the future. So uh, one request for those in Australia: please don't give away the answers to the questions (laughs) since you're already in the future. (laughs) What? It's not how it works.
2: I'll tell you, I'll tell you how it works later, Jeff, but no.
1: All right. (laughs) Well, with that enough bad jokes for one day, uh, let me get to, uh, our introduction of our guest, Brian, we see you over there in uh, LinkedIn. Louie, your testing is working out just fine. And, uh, John Jones, Hello from sunny and warm Connecticut. Our guest today, i have been looking forward to this conversation for a while. Um, Our guest today is an author, a PhD, a messaging coach, and a leader of rebellious movements. Try that on for size. Uh, Her podcast is Rebel Uprising. Her book is The Three-Word Rebellion. She's the communication rebel. Dr. Michelle Mazur, welcome to Context and Clarity Live.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here.
1: Oh, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Is your cat still with you?
3: No, he went to take a nap somewhere else. Oh,
1: okay. You might see
2: him. You never know. You all might get lucky. (laughs) Well, my cat's here. So if he shows up, we'll, we could have a cat party together across the continent.
1: (laughs) Cross cross continental uh, cat connection. Today. Sorry, that's forwards. That's forwards. Oh, okay. That doesn't really fit with the theme today. We'll have to reduce that down <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> we, we have, uh, Michelle, we have advertised this talk today. As a talk, I said it earlier, we've been talking all week in the Context and Clarity conversations, whether um, 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern for the uh, Context and Clarity conversations or our 9 a.m. Eastern coffee talks on Clubhouse, we've been talking about marketing architecture all week. And so the way that we have sort of promoted this conversation today is is around the idea of persuasion. So, mm-hmm. you know, how do we persuade architecture clients? Um, when I posted the initial announcement Monday, someone commented that they didn't really like the idea of persuasion, and, and and I know there are lots of people that don't like the idea of sales or selling. Right? I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to convince people to do things. Um, I don't want to have to get people to do things, but that's not really what we're talking about, is it?
3: No, no, it's not. It's so fascinating to me because I have a whole other podcast called Duped with my co-host, Maggie Patterson, that's about the dark side of online business. And so that is all of the icky persuasion stuff. So I understand why people feel like oh, it's so manipulative, it's sleazy, it's slimy, because in many instances, it is used in that way. And I really look at persuasion as influence. And for me, it's about helping people make a decision. And that's what I really think sales is about. It's not about convincing someone to work with you. It's about seeing Are they ready to work with you? Are they the type of client you are excited to be working with? And then helping them make the best decision for themselves, which may be you, it may not be you, and that's okay. But that is still persuasion and influence, but it's done in service of not making the sale and getting the money. It's done in service of helping someone make the best decision for themselves and also to get them out of indecision because decision fatigue is real and it sucks. So how can we get people to make a decision one way or the other? And that's really how I look at persuasion. It's like, how can I get people ready to work with me?
1: Yeah. I, I love that. You know, I, when you hear really good sales trainers or really good sales people, which, you know, there's a, there's a difference between marketing and sales and business development. Mm-hmm. They all have their, their different, uh, verticals, if you will, or silos, if you will. Well, I don't like silos, but, um, but when you, when you hear someone that that's really, uh, that's really astute, in the world of sales, they'll talk about matching up solutions and problems. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that approach. It seems to be similar to what you're saying.
3: Yeah. Cause I mean, you don't really want to convince anyone to work with you. And if you've ever convinced someone to work with you, you maybe didn't have the best experience with them. I'm just saying I had that experience early on in my own business where, Oh, I persuaded this person to work with me, but Oh, did they end up being a nightmare client? So yeah, it's a, it's about looking for that fit versus like,
2: you've, you've got to give me your money right now. <laughs> Give me all your money. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Kind of like dating. If you were trying to convince someone to go out with you, I don't think that would work very well. Same idea. Oh no.
3: No. no, it, it could get a little stalkerish too. So, <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. So, well,
1: well, I think I think that's a really great point and a really great direction to take the conversation because there are plenty of um, plenty of stories, if you will, that uh, come up in conversations with architects about you know how how a project went sideways or a relationship went sideways and i really think it comes down to the fact really what you're talking about what you're alluding to that this wasn't a great fit you know this this person probably was not my ideal client i mm-hmm. might not have even been the right provider the right professional whatever role uh, everybody in the audience is playing i might not have been the right one for them either so how do we how do we ensure that we find that match?
2: Well,
3: I think that's where marketing comes in. And I know, I know I know there's some resistance in the audience to marketing, and I get it. I really look at marketing as just communication and relationship building. And whether it is to one person or a million, it doesn't really matter but what you're looking to do is giving that give them the information they need create the conversations they need to hear in your marketing materials in order to make sure that they are a fit like that's and that they're ready to make the commitment of hiring you as their provider and all and all of that that entails as well so how through our marketing and the conversations we're having in our marketing can we do that
1: that's 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 a really great point, and you know it reminds me that um, it, it, at some point it starts to be about how relevant am I? How relevant are my services to this particular client's needs? Does 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 that kind of align with what you're saying right now?
3: Yeah, exactly. Like it is that relevance. It's I think there's also. You, resonance where we have to like, especially when we're working with clients, especially when you're doing something so intimate, like designing something for that client, there has to we have to resonate with each other and be able to communicate with each other. And so marketing is how you can show up and like demonstrate like how you communicate with the world and they can decide like, oh, that matches with me or like, I just don't understand what that person's ever talking about, which is okay. That's not a match.
1: So how do you okay I, so let me back up because I said at the beginning, you know you you've got your podcast and and you you are the communication rebel, but you've also got a book. It's called the the uh, Three Word Rebellion. So can you can you explain what uh, a three word rebellion is?
3: Yeah, so a three-word rebellion is a one-of-a-kind message that can be two to five words. So you can have a four-word rebellion, but two to five-word rebellion does not make a great book title. Just, mm-hmm.
1: just gonna
0: say. That.
3: So it positions you as the expert in the mind of your audience, but it does it in a different way. It does it in a way where the message you create is for those potential clients for the people you're building relationships with. And this idea of the three word rebellion came from me looking at all the social movements that were coming up, Black Lives Matter, Me Too, and how some of my favorite authors and entrepreneurs communicated about their business in their marketing. So I was thinking about Simon Sinek and start with why or Mel Robbins and the five second rule. And what I saw is I'm like, oh, these two groups do something very similar. They communicate the change they want to create or the mechanism of change in just a few words. And so my background is in communication and I've taken like a social movement class, like way back in grad school. But (laughs) I was like, okay, I'm going to take some of these questions from social movements. Like, what are you rebelling against? What change do you want to create? What really ticks you off? Ask them to my clients and see like, okay, if they free write on this, can we distill their message? Can we get to that core of a message? And it works. It works really well because a lot of the times that message, the essence of what we do and how we do it and our uniqueness we bring to it, it's in the stuff we say all the time. We're just too close to it to actually see it and be able to pull it out. And so this process really just allows you to verbal, like, well, writtenly vomit up your ideas so that you can see them on paper and see what you're dealing with to create a message that you then you use in your marketing, you use in the copy on your website, you use in sales conversations.
1: Yeah, I, I love that. And it seems, it seems to me that um, this could be really powerful for small firm architects. I saw someone... Um, Commented, it says Facebook user, but it says marketing is pre-qualifying to bring in the folks who might be a good match, which mm-hmm. relates to what we were talking about before. But I think, you know, when I think about the three-word rebellion and that the word, so kudos to to your to your three-word rebellion. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I think, you know, you said the things that tick you off and and the things that you want to stand for or stand against. Mm-hmm. And to me, it seems, you know, knowing this audience pretty well, that that could be really powerful for small firm architects. Because I hear um, a lot of architects talk about, well, uh, you know, these... builder homes or you know things things that they may see as not uh, up to par that people are are settling for that um, mm-hmm. they're struggling with because it wasn't well designed or whatever it is it seems like that three word rebellion really opens the door to really uh, maybe rail against is not the right way to say it but but to put plant your flag in the ground and say listen this is what I'm standing against or for and if you feel that same way, come along with me.
3: Yeah. And, you know, as you were talking, it reminded me, like, I worked with a a client who's an attorney. And attorneys are also very, could be a commodity industry, right? There's lots of them. How do you choose? And what was so fascinating about him is, A, I don't think he should have been an attorney. He probably should have been like a leadership coach or a master negotiator or something, conflict resolution guy. But um, when we started working together, his whole thing was about founders and how do we bring relationships into the law so that we're not just um, signing contracts. So when things go badly, then we know how to fight each other in court. But actually, how do we put in his three word rebellion was people over paper? Like, how do we figure out what our relationship going to be? And what to do if it goes badly? Like, what are the boundaries and parameters? And then how do we firm that up? in a contract. So it was such like a unique perspective on the law where law is like so confrontational, but he was like, no, it doesn't have to be this way. We can do something differently
2: here.
1: I love that people over paper. That's fantastic. Um, you know, I, I know that there are, there, there, might be an attitude, you know, you mentioned attorneys being, uh, commoditized there are a lot of architects that feel the same way. I, I think that goes all the way through professional services. Um, and that's probably a topic for another day that can get, you know, off on a real <laughs> rabbit trail. Okay. But um, but what about when an architect, in the case of the, probably the majority of our audience here today, what about when they look around and, and say, yeah, I mean, what I do is just like the firm across the street or the firm across town or, you know, the firm over in Duluth, you know, am I really that different than anybody else? How does the three-word rebellion speak to that, to that problem? Or is it a problem?
3: Yeah. Well, I think it speaks to the problem because Even though you feel like, okay, I'm doing the same thing as this other firm, it makes you question, are you really, are you delivering your services exactly the same and in the same way as every other architect out there? Or do you have an, a different process? Do you have a more collaborative process? I mean, there are so many different ways to think about how are my clients actually experiencing my service? Yes, at the end of the day, the result is they get like a new office building or <laughs> a new house, right? Like that's that's the deliverable, but how you deliver that can be really unique. And it's informed by the experience you're creating. It's informed by how you want people to feel as they work with you. Um, The questions that you ask your own personality that you bring into the process of working with people and serving your clients. So it's looking at all of those places to think about like, okay, how does this all contribute into getting my clients the deliverable or even like or the remarkable house that they want built um so it's really looking at that and there's so many different places and so many different variables and different turns of phrases that you use to talk about your business that nobody else uses where you can start like finding what does make you different
1: it comes comes all the way back around to you know that idea of the right fit right i I'm not Hmm. the right fit for everybody and every client is not the right fit for me, and that's okay.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always talk about um, the example of milk, because milk is milk, right? Like you go to the grocery store and if you're buying milk, you usually buy what's on sale or you buy what you always get because you're getting milk at the end of the day. But when we're doing services, we really want to find out like what does make us different. Maybe it's our artistic eye or maybe we blend two different philosophies of architecture. I mean, there's so many different things that can make you Not a commodity and make you not milk. And then it's right, it's about finding what that is and being able to communicate it.
1: I heard you tell that milk story or use that milk analogy on on a podcast interview that I was listening to, and you you got into the almond milk and and all that. Yeah,
3: yeah. You don't want to just be almond milk or soy milk because there's lots of that too. But really, like, and our words and how we communicate about things like that can really help set us apart.
1: You know, one of the things I, I can see somebody listening to this right now. Or somebody that's, you know, like I said, we've been we've spent the whole week talking about marketing architecture and uh, just to to give you a little bit of background, I we started out Monday and I asked mm-hmm. the question. Um, well, I said, imagine if somebody said, "So, what do you do?" And you've got to answer that question, of course. But I want you to answer that question without using the word architect, and that challenges a lot of people.
0: Mm -hmm. And then
1: um, Tuesday, we talked about the change that you make, right? If your, your clients, yeah, they may say, I need a set of blueprints. They may say whatever. But what they're really looking for is change from their current state to their future state. They're looking for change. So how do you talk about the change that you make? And, you know, I can easily see... Somebody looking at this entire week, marketing, architecture, messaging, three-word rebellion, and somebody saying, well, Jeff, it's it's all words. It's all words. Isn't there anything more than that? But the words are really important, aren't they?
3: Yeah. Words have energy. And there's like, um, in qualitative research, they talk about how language creates our reality. So how we talk about what it is we do creates, can create a world for our clients. And like, like, I just love this comment Rod just said, I am the milkman of human kindness, but kindness can be a differentiator in... In this world, right? Like you could use that in a three word rebellion. So, yes, it is words. Yes, it is communication, but that is foundational to the human experience. If we couldn't communicate what the value that our business, our work creates, it would be hard to sell. So, and I know people get frustrated because they're like, why are the words so hard? It's like we communicate all the time. And it's like, Well, it's because words matter and the words you choose have energy to them and they could repel or they can bring people in.
1: You know, you said, why is it so hard? I've got a little bit of experience in (laughs) in doing what we're talking about here. And so, you know, the idea of taking whatever your, your, uh, mission statement, vision statement, purpose, you know, whatever it is that you have, your tagline and boiling that down to three words can be very, very challenging. Um, oh, yeah. Can, can you, you talked about free writing a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, can you give us some idea of what the process of getting to finding, perhaps discovering what your three word rebellion is what's that what's that process look like
3: yeah so it starts off super fun because it is all based in free writing and you just and with free writing the objective is not perfection. It is not to be all up in your head and to be editing while you write or any of the horrible habits that I personally have when I'm trying to write something. But it is this free flowing state where you're just getting ideas out of your head. And some of them might be random, and some of them might not even be related to the work you do. (laughs) But It's just this depository for your thoughts and your beliefs and what you stand for and what you stand against. Then once we get them all out of our head, it's important to get a little distance. So in the book, I talk about like, hey, if you're doing this on your own, like take a break after you've done the free writing, just like two or three days away from it, because you need some perspective to see your writing clearly, because- the one thing it's like, we are so close to what we do. So people who are like, I don't know how I'm different. Well, it's because you're doing it every day. And you don't see it as different. Like you don't, you you don't have enough distance to actually perceive like what makes it unique. So once we get all of that out, then I give a little bit of a lesson on creating themes and doing some qualitative analysis around the words. And this is usually best done with somebody else because you need perspective. But you go through and you start reading it almost like a scientist would read it. Like, what are some themes? What are words that I'm using again and again? Um, Like, for instance, I had a sales conversation with a person who is now a client, and she kept saying the word bold. Like, she used it probably... 30 times in a 40 minute conversation, like everything was bold, bold, bold. And I'm like, oh, that's a word to explore with her. Like that seems really important to what she's about. So we start looking for those patterns and pulling them out and figuring out like unique turns of phrase. And then in the book, I talk about like the creative constraints for finding your three word rebellion, which are, should be between two to five words. It's not about you. like. You you should not be in your three-word rebellion. <laughs> um, it's, oh, okay, three to five. Oh, and there are three different varieties of three-word rebellions, the declaration which is a bit like a mantra so something like um, Marie Forleo's everything is Figure outable or one of my clients who does marketing hers is profit without worry so it's just this like reminder that sticks in her head about what the work is about there's the battle cry which starts with a verb so like Simon Sinek's start with why or Adam Grant's think again so it's little bit more directive and action oriented. And then there's naming the change, which is what you call the change agent. So like a three word rebellion or a five second rule. Um, So you can play with those different types and figure out what you like, what you don't like. You should be keeping it positive. It's not about the negative. It's so easy to get into the negative and name what you don't like. But how do we name what we do like? So really, that is the process behind it.
1: um, I've heard you use some of the examples in some of the other places I've heard you talk. Does uh, Nike's Just Do It fall into a three-word rebellion category?
3: Yes, example. I yes, definitely. I mean and you and once you kind of know about this, you see them all the time. Like my husband and I were driving up the road and there's a storage space and on the sign it said reclaim your space and I was like, "Oh, look. That's a pretty good good battle cry three word rebellion. Reclaim your space. Yeah, I would like to do that." <laughs>
1: maybe you need to hire an architect to have you reimagine your space. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) You you mentioned that the three word rebellion is not about you. So here's a, here's a good comment on the, uh, on the screen right now.
2: Yeah. Uh, this is Manuel Mergel. I don't know if I pronounced your name right. I'm sorry if I didn't. Uh, it says, but this is about me. Uh, is this about me or about our clients? is, Is it really about how I deliver our services or about how our ideal client wants his or her service to be delivered?
3: So first, I'm going to say
2: your ideal client has no clue how they want their services
3: to be delivered because you are the expert. They want you to Guide them through your process. They, unless they've worked with other architects before, which you should always find out, so you can see like what their experience was and how you can improve on it. Um, they don't know what the process looks like. They are trusting you to lead them. And the three-word rebellion message is really about that end result, the change, the transformation that you are creating for them within that process. So that message is very much still for them, kind of like the people over paper message that is for the attorney's clients. So, and as far as, far as delivering the service goes, like you get to be the guide there, you get to be the expert.
1: So in, in the example that I used before with, you know, your, your clients are looking for change, the three word rebellion could really be about the future state. Then is that is that what mm-hmm. we're talking about? Okay.
3: Yeah. So I work with I've worked with a couple of like interior architects, um, and yeah, like I, I, I'm learning all the different nomenclature between like architecture versus interior architecture versus interior design, and I've worked with probably two of those three. <laughs> and you know, for them, there's usually something about like one person for her it was really like how does your space tell your story? And so that's what she wants to deliver at the end that they have a space that really tells their own story and that they're comfortable in. I've worked with other people who are very concerned about how the de- how design actually impacts us developing good habits. <laughs> Okay. So, I mean, there's always these different end results that people, you know, like the psychology of design. I've had clients who are way into that. So, how can you message that and what that creates to really create that message?
1: Should I read Nicole's question? Yes, please. Yeah.
2: Okay. So, Nicole says, "How specific should our three words be to what we do? Should it refer to our general service, specific service, our culture?" Um you want it to be an umbrella message
3: so it should sit above everything that your organization or your business does right so for instance the my friend who does marketing her her three word rebellion is profit without worry and she has other services that sit underneath that so you want it to be more umbrella focused So everything can kind of fit underneath it and um, at the same, and it could also be about the culture or the culture or when they experience working with you, what, what are you, what are they experiencing? What's the change they're going to get just from the experience of hiring you?
1: So, Let's talk about application for a minute. I mean, earlier you talked about, you know, you now you've got this three word rebellion, and it's just, it's the umbrella. Um, you you mentioned websites, etc. Once you have the two to five words, mm-hmm. whatever your however your uh, three word rebellion fleshes out, what do you do with it? Where do you put it? How does it how does it work from there? Yeah, over?
3: so. One thing to think about is like, once you get your two to five word rebellion, um, your next challenge is going to be, wow, this is super cool. How do I talk about it in order that people understand? So for me, when I'm working with someone that's doing more free writing and creating basically like a client decision journey, like how do we take people from not knowing what it is we do, how we do it? Even knowing that we're the type of architect they want to be working with, to being bought in and excited to. Get a proposal for a project or to work with you. What are the key messages that we need to hit? So, where you can use the three-word rebellion, yes, on the header of your website, in your LinkedIn profile, or if you're on Instagram, your Instagram profile It can be like a custom hashtag, so you can follow the conversations. Um, you can call like if you're going to have a book or a podcast or any of that, you can call it that. You can it can even be the name of a service that you're providing. So there's a lot of of different uses but at the end of the day what it really helps you do is figure out like okay now that I have this and this is the change I'm creating what are the key conversations that I need to have in order to get people to buy in
1: uh, that, that makes a lot of sense to me and some some folks are posting their uh, their three word rebellions which is a, a great uh, it's a great effort <laughs>
2: Yeah. yeah. No, I see them coming in. Oh, Very 12, good. 13, 14. Yeah, so Rod posted his 14-word rebellion. So I think he needs to um <laughs> name it in. Where he says quality is our middle name, incompetence and apathy are our first and last names. 14-word <laughs> rebellion. What is well, name? that's so your name is incompetence, quality, apathy. <laughs> right? <15. laughs>
1: It would okay. be interesting to see what sort of clients that attracts.
3: <laughs> yeah. You might want to leave out the incompetence and apathy and just leave with quality.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, probably.
3: Um, oh, and Hans has a great one, citizen-driven design, like, or nature-informed design from Louis. Like, yeah, because yeah. that's really, it's it's naming the change, right? The, or the change agent. So that is like... I I love citizen driven design because that makes me curious. Like what would that look like? What Mm -hmm. does that entail? How do we do that? How do we get the citizens involved? And it also kind of tells me about who they, who Hans serves.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is, there you go. I like, this is one I wonder about. So I'll give you a little bit of background because I know Christian, um, his, his uh, clients are actually architects Mm -hmm. and he helps with, uh, review for errors and omissions and and proofreading and and um, also yeah. specifications and things like that. So that's where make fewer errors comes from. What do you think about that as a three three word rebellion?
3: I would want to know what is the result of making fewer errors? like what does that do okay. for his? I mean, okay. I feel like that's a captain obvious question, but um, I think that's kind of the next, level of his three word rebellion is like, what does that allow them to do? Like what result does that.
1: Okay. All right. So there you go. Christian. Yeah. There's another one.
2: Uh, Where that go- better- did You just put that up there, Jeff.
1: <laughs> no, I did not put that there. Oh, weird. <laughs> so this is, this is Brian. He says our three words are win better clients and his clients mm-hmm. are architects. What do you think about that one?
3: Yeah, I mean, A, I'd have to know the industry a little bit better because that could sound very commonplace on one hand. However, it might be a radical concept in architecture because I I know... I've done some work with real estate agents and let me tell you if there is a industry where they are not differentiating themselves like yeah. having even the most basic three word rebellion that me with all of my knowledge of all these industries would be like mm, I don't know if that's curiosity provoking enough I'm a, I'm like oh just because you have a three word rebellion you're setting yourself apart from all of these other real estate agents out there. So yeah, that mm-hmm. could work, especially if it's kind of a radical act
2: in yeah. the architecture world. Yeah. So, so John says, my very old three word tagline is designing for life, a double entendre filled with promise for my clients and a sentence for me.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, oh, John brings up a really interesting point, is that sometimes your three-word rebellion actually serves as a personal mantra for you as well. Like I've had people tell me they've read the book and they've created their own three-word rebellion, not for a business, but for themselves, is kind of that guidepost, that guiding mm-hmm. light of where they want to steer their own ship. Okay. Yeah, I,
1: I love that idea, right? It's We've we've talked before, um, and in fact, one of my podcasts, the Build Your Brand podcast, is is really it's all about purpose driven uh, companies, purpose driven brands, and I, and having that guidepost right. If it's a purpose driven brand, um, the purpose is about their customers or their clients, and it's it's this promise, but it's also their their guidepost, as you said. So it's it does work both ways.
3: Yeah. And well, and I think you're hitting on another good point. Another way to find your three word rebellion is to figure out like what your purpose is, or if you're very values driven, Mm -hmm. being able to articulate your values, like the real estate agent I worked with, she has a very values based business. Mm -hmm. And she wants to be very aligned with the client she does business with. And so for her, it was just like, her values were everything. So let's figure out how to lead with those
2: in your three word rebellion.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. What's we have this one, this
2: one um, that says good design doesn't have to be expensive. And I'm trying to see who did that. Rick Kaufman.
3: Yeah. No, <laughs> it's, I mean, it feels like it could apply to almost any design industry, whether that's graphic design, interior design. Um, it, it kind of like, no offense, Rick, it feels like a Walmart slogan. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure you
2: won't take offense. (laughs) Oh, good.
3: It's always hard because I'm always like, oh, I don't want to be
2: like a total jerk. (laughs) All right. So then Nicole says designing functional gas stations. That's accurate. Yeah, I
3: mean, it's accurate. I think you could probably add a little more mystery into that because, I mean, it sounds super, I mean, that's a niche. Like, I've never heard of that before. So I think you could have some fun playing with the words.
1: I like John Jones' response to that, which is designing with octane.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then this is her response to her comment. Designing for petroleum industry seems pretty rebellious in the days of sustainability. So there's that angle.
3: Yeah, there is. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's definitely something to, to bring in, I mean, gas stations aren't going anywhere for a while. Like, let's be honest. No, they're not. I mean, sure. of, they will eventually. But I think the petroleum industry is finally kind of catching on to that. So
2: I think, yeah, there is something a little rebellious about that. Well, I mean, we're not really talking about this today, but the, also the infrastructure for electric cars and that sort of thing would logically be placed at places like gas stations. And so mm. there's still going to be the stations. They might not be selling gas, you know, in the yeah. future. Yeah. But no. they'll still have snacks. We'll still get our Fritos there. <laughs> snacks
1: and fuel. Get- snacks
2: That'll and fuel fine. in the bathroom. Eat,
1: eat here, get gas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: God. <laughs> okay. Yep. That. Now, what about that? That is a great memorable that's, line, that's right? Three everybody. Word? Everybody Four. remembers
1: Four. that. <laughs> All <laughs> right, moving on.
2: <laughs> yeah, moving on. So, tradition yeah. with attitude. I like that, and because it,
3: I mean, it, well. It makes me, A, curious what that would look like. So I'd want to look at your portfolio, which is exactly what you want. I mean, your three-word rebellion should make people a little bit curious. So if I landed on somebody's website and I saw tradition with attitude, I'm like, huh, I wonder what their designs look like. Because to me, that feels like you're kind of blending different ways of design or styles of design Mm -hmm. together. So I'm like, hmm, like I yeah, I'm like, I'd want to see your portfolio, which is probably what you want people to do.
1: (laughs) Well let me probably let me ask you this and and we can we'll get back to some more of these examples. I love going through these and and uh having you respond to all of them. But when we have you've got your three-word rebellion and we talked about um how it can be placed on your website, on your Instagram, um, you know, all the different places that the three word rebellion can show up even in sales conversations, etc. One thing it's not, it's not unique to architecture. It also shows up in other, uh, professional services, attorneys. Uh-oh, we lost her. <laughs> okay. Hold please. Looks like we lost our connection with dr michelle let's just go through some of these um and hopefully she will uh she'll pop back in here
2: whoops i'm not muted. so that was you were almost on your own there for a second so i like <laughs> leslie's um fix or cell that kind of describes what her service is right now helping people decide what they should do
1: yeah yeah i think and so with a lot of these and we've talked about this over the course of the week, with all the different conversations that we've had about marketing, there, there's this, there's this uh, question of context, right? What what does fix or sell mean? Well, if it's placed in a certain context, I think it's understandable. Mm-hmm. It, it, if out of context, you know, as it's on the screen right now, I might not have any idea. But depending on where it lands in terms of of a certain context, uh, that could be completely understandable. Welcome back. Hey, I think my, I,
3: I'm streaming via my phone, so it might be a little dicey. I think our internet dropped out for some reason. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No worries. No worries. Um, when, when you disappeared, I was, I was going down the, uh, road towards, you have talked about that the three word rebellion could show up on your website. It can show up maybe in a sales conversation, your Instagram, your LinkedIn, all these places. And one thing that happens, and and it's not unique to architecture. I think it is similar in other professional services as well. But every architecture firm will say that a large percentage of our work comes from repeat clients and or referrals. Mm -hmm. So what happens in and you know in in my work i've heard everything from 60 some odd percent of our work comes from repeat clients or referrals all the way up to 97 that's the largest number that anybody's ever told me so if if somebody says well 70 80 whatever percent of our work comes re- from repeat clients and referrals do i need a three word rebellion
3: I would say, especially for referrals, you know what they're going to do? If somebody refers me to someone else, the first thing I do is I check out their website. I go and I look up their LinkedIn. Like, I'm just not, I just don't trust them and be like, okay, I'm going to hire this person. I'm actually. Of vetting them and seeing what work they have in the world. So you need to be able to communicate that. And even with repeat clients, especially if you're doing anything differently from when they last worked with you, being able to communicate that. And sometimes they just want to see like, hey, is this person staying up on trends? Are they still the best fit for me? Mm-hmm. So they're still, they still could be vetting you, but not as much as a referral.
1: It, and I always think too that Uh, And we talk about referral partners quite a bit, you know, whatever that term is, right? So I always think that it's best that we prepare, we help our referral partners help us. And so giving them the story to tell, maybe the version of this is giving them the three word rebellion so that they can, they understand it and they can repeat it to somebody else. It seems like Mm -hmm. this is a very memorable tool.
0: Yeah.
3: One of my clients said to me the other day, she's like, what I love about this is now other people know how to talk about my business. Yeah, and yeah. it didn't take a lot of training because that's, I mean, the best referral partners can describe what you do and really prepare that referral for a meeting with you, right? Like what it's like. Um, and so being able to give them the language to do that is so critical. And three word rebellion is great for that.
1: Well, that, that's uh, I. I think that is a uh, a great a great point. This is a really interesting okay. comment. Yeah,
2: Leslie had a question. What about a series of three word rebellion statements that stand alone or together tell an expanded story? I would say no, and the
3: reason for that is because of how we as humans process information and what we can remember. There are several studies that look at the fact the human brain can only remember about two to seven bits of information. It's why our phone numbers are the length that they are. So if we have three different three word rebellions, everybody's gonna remember their favorite. So you're not gonna have a consistent message in the world. Um, and it can be confusing, cause they'll be like, oh, but I thought you were about that, but you're really about this. And it's it really can confuse the crap out of people. And we don't want that in our marketing. We don't want to confuse people. We need to be clear with our own core message and knowing that, hey, they can only remember one thing. What is that one thing?
1: So one, one place I could see probably a lot of architects struggling with this is that you'll have a firm that let's say they design um, hotels mm-hmm. and then they also design restaurants and then they also design, I don't know, museums. <laughs> I don't know why, I don't know why that mix, but, but is there, so, so how do you, how do you take a practice like that? Let's just say there's, there's, there's different project types that they work on. The, the types mm-hmm. are somewhat irrelevant. How do they tie that all up into a three word rebellion?
3: Yeah, because I mean, it needs to sit above all of the project types and yeah, maybe it has the umbrella, something to right? the, like, yeah, and maybe it has something to do with your mission, your values, the larger change you want to create for each of your clients, um, no matter what the project is. So it's really about finding that, I call it the golden thread, like there's a golden thread that ties everything together. What is that thread?
1: Yeah, that's, I think that's an excellent point. Yeah. Um, Leslie says the Burma shave built brand on barns. How how many, all right. So how many people in the audience remember Burma shave billboards? No. (laughs) You're you're both shaking your heads. What? I'm all alone. I mean, I don't, I don't
2: have a lot of barns around me in Massachusetts though. Maybe that's it. Were they on barns? (laughs) I'm in Seattle, so we have no barns.
1: Yeah. There, were, there were billboards along along the road, and I don't, you know, I don't remember if there was even a specific number. But it would be, you get to the first billboard, and it would have part of the message, and the next billboard would have a part, and and so it would take this series of billboards to get to the whole uh, the whole message. Um, so all right, so
2: yeah, that sounds like I'm a all, rural America thing, Jeff.
1: I'm all alone. I feel so alone. <laughs>
2: okay. I mean, there are other people out there probably. Just so happens we're not two of them.
1: There are definitely other people out there. <laughs> let's see. There definitely um,
2: are. I didn't mean it that way.
1: Where? Uh, let's see. Who else has a, a three-word rebellion that we can comment on?
2: Okay. I'll find one here. Design comes alive. Did we already talk about that one?
1: No, we didn't. So.
2: Now, of course, I have um, Peter Frampton in my head.
3: <laughs> hey, it's a play on words. That can definitely work. Um, one of my favorite three-word rebellions is um, a fan of this podcast called Pod Save America. Yeah. And obviously, it's a play on God Save America. So design live, play on Frampton (laughs) comes alive. I think it's, that's brilliant. I, you know, it's fun to, um, find those plays on words.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, at the, you know, back to your point from a a few minutes ago, I mean, part of it is just the, um, yeah, of course, does it, does it, um, does it resonate Mm -hmm. with me? But I think a big part of it and without going down a whole branding rabbit hole, you know, a, a lot of the the uh, brand artifacts, like um, your logo and your colors, and all, all these things, those, those are really triggers, right? They're memory triggers, mm-hmm. and I think that's exactly or, or, or one of the things that the three word rebellion must be doing is it must be a memory trigger.
3: Oh, 100%. Because if you think about, there was a new Microsoft study out, a new Microsoft Trends study that our attention span has actually dropped to like seven seconds and only three seconds on mobile so if we're not capturing people right away when we're in in marketing people just scroll right by because they don't have the attention span so it is it is about being more memorable being able to get attention and it's very much a part of your brand identity I mean when I worked in corporate one of the things that uh, one of the things that I delivered to my clients is something that all corporate people or, you know, corporations would have is they had brand message guides for how they talked about the products they created for each and every one of their products. So like, Microsoft would have their Xbox brand message guide. And it was like, these are the conversations. This is how we talk about the work. This is who this work is for. Like this is, you know, and it was very specific. And then we get into small business and we kind of fly by our seats of the pants. Yes, we might have brand colors and a logo and all of that. And that's consistent. But how we're talking about what we do is completely inconsistent. And when we're inconsistent, it confuses people
1: yeah oh that that's a great point uh catherine you were raising your hand were you saying that you have a really low attention span or
2: oh yeah that's what i forgot why i was raising my hand but that was it yeah i don't i feel like that's i don't feel like i have that short of an attention span but maybe i could be wrong is it because i'm older and so (laughs) i had other or is it that the people who are being their brains are watching stuff now and they're just used to things going faster But people who watched really, you know, long things like me or film strips, which are really boring and they are, were okay with it. Is it a generational thing is what I'm saying? Or are all of our brains being retrained? Because I feel like I I waste a ton of time on websites, like a half an hour. I'll be on there. I think a lot of our brains are being retrained because of social media and the Mm -hmm. dopamine hit we get
3: from like response. Funding from, from people doing our stuff. Um, I mean, I know for me, like mm-hmm. I've noticed this new thing where it's like, I start writing someone an email and then I swear that I like, like
2: sent it. And then I'm like, Oh wait, it's still in my inbox like, because I got distracted by something else. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, distraction's real. That's for sure. But I was just, I was just wondering cause I've heard that a lot and I don't know. I was just wondering what's that. I think okay. some people have better focused, like honestly.
1: I, I think I mean, I'm just either
2: hyper focused or not paying attention. I think that's basically what I'm doing. Mm-hmm.
1: I think my version of it is I, I have a lower tolerance now, I think, for things that aren't interesting for you know wh- whatever those things are. and if, and maybe that's lack of attention. I don't know if if I'm just confusing that, but uh, I think I, I can land somewhere and go boring. Or um, maybe just
2: more judgment. Very yeah, judgmental. maybe
1: maybe that's what's happening. I'm becoming very <laughs> judgmental, and I just yep. Scroll. <laughs> nope.
2: Boring. Um. Well, now that Peter see that Peter Frampton song is still in my head. See, that's how much of us like uh um. Yeah. Anyway, so um, who was this? This was Yoko, who wanted to know: Does the three-word rebellion have to be a sentence?
3: It's definitely not a sentence. It's usually a phrase because it is between the two to five words, but it is, you know, it could be that declaration or that mantra type. It can be that powerful battle cry. It can be naming the change agent. Um, So, but I wouldn't, I'm not much for grammar. (laughs) So (laughs) not necessarily a full sentence.
1: (laughs) A, A minute ago, Catherine, you had Jay's uh, three-word rebellion up there. There you go. What do you think about that one, Michelle?
3: Oh, that's nice. Drawn by yeah, desire. Drawn by I, desire. Like I like
1: that. Yeah,
3: yeah, I do too. That's pretty powerful. But and it also tells me it makes me curious and also like, oh, are you going to help me get my desire out of me so that we can actually like actualize it in my space? Like that kind of sounds cool.
2: Right. I, have, I have so many questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one.
1: Yeah, that's good. Good, good way to start a conversation. Uh, I know we've made it to the top of the hour already, which is pretty amazing. This has gone by very quickly. Um, yeah. So let me ask this, Michelle. Um, wh- what do you want people to know about you going forward?
3: Mm, oh, that's a that's a tough question. I mean, obviously, I want you to know my three word rebellion is three word rebellion. <laughs> Yeah, And, you know, I, as far as like a parting thought, like I want people to know that persuasion doesn't have to be this icky thing that you can make a lasting impression without manipulation and that you should really feel good about showing up and marketing and selling because you're an expert. There are people who need what you do. And if you take nothing else away, I want you to remember that
1: that that's great and and I you know I just love the idea going all the way back to the beginning this this idea that this three word rebellion or your two or your five or whatever it is it can be a really great way for you to match up with I always call them your ideal clients um, <laughs> so so if you know for the folks that are looking around going man i'm I'm just I'm not working with the right people right there are a lot of people that are really busy right now, but they they look around, they go, I'm busy, but I'm not working on what I want to be working on. This, this might be a tool. This might be a technique to think about to help you uh, find that alignment and find those, those, uh, those clients that you do want to be working with.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a great way to go a little bit deeper and realign yourself with your work, which I think everyone needs to do. Every once in a while, we have to remember, why do I do this in the first place? Why is this meaningful? Why does this matter? I hear that a lot from clients. Like, oh, I forgot why my work actually mattered to people. And I think when you have a message like that, you're always reminded.
1: Uh, And, and, you know, you, you used the term guidepost earlier. You know, a lot of us are small business people and there are some mornings you wake up and you need that guidepost. Right? Why Why am I doing this again? Yeah.
3: yeah. Like, why, so, why am I getting out of bed and doing this? I could have, yeah. I could have done something easier. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I, I really appreciate it. that's. That's not something that, that I had in my mind when we started this conversation, but I really appreciate that aspect of it as well. Mm. Uh, Dr. Michelle Mazur, thank you mm-hmm. for joining us today. Uh, I would say to everyone out there, there are a couple of things that you need to do. First of all, uh, go to wherever you purchase books. Um, Amazon comes to mind, <laughs> and yeah, find Amazon's
3: a good place to find the book.
1: <laughs> exactly, find the three word rebellion by Dr. Michelle Mazur. Uh, also, she has a podcast. Uh, she has resources on her website. The URL is up on the screen right now. But if you're listening to the, to this in the podcast version, it's going to be a little hard to see the screen. So let me uh, spell this out for you. It's drmichellemazer.com. And so that's uh, doctor as in D-R, and it's Michelle with two L's, and then Mazer's M-A-Z-U-R. So drmichellemazer.com, D R D-R-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-M-A-Z-U-R. M I C H E L L E M A Z you are.com. And if you were able to track all of that in real time, more power to you. Um, but, uh, but like I said, great pod, actually two podcasts. Now the um, yeah. duped, uh, I listened to a couple of episodes of dupe this morning. Love it. I would love to yeah. talk more about the bro marketing part of that. Um,
2: oh, boy. So,
1: so uh, uh, check out her podcast, check out her book, uh, go to her website and, and, um, there's a tab at the, the, the top that I think says resources. Um, lot, lots of stuff there. Lots of very helpful stuff and um, an encouragement to our entire audience. Think about this, right? Think about how you, you may do something that the architect across the street does. You probably do, but you probably do it differently. You probably do it for different people. Not every client is for you and you are not right for every client. And that is okay. That is how it should be. So think about your three-word rebellion and how you can differentiate yourself with that. Um, a reminder to everybody, I'll be back again tomorrow. Actually, Catherine and I both will be back again tomorrow. I Same
2: back time.
1: Same bat channel, four PM Eastern inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. Tomorrow is a continuation of our series in getting to know our community, and so uh, it has been requested that I don't reveal the uh, community member that we will yeah. uh, feature tomorrow. So I'm not going to tell you who it is.
2: I don't even but know who it is.
1: Catherine does not even know who it is, um, but we'll be we'll be here tomorrow with um with one of our community members and we'll get to know them a little bit better we'll get to know their background where they want to go and just have a real nice conversation it um i i, I said this over and over and i say this in the podcast version of this as well you know we've been doing this since april 9th of 2020 and i feel like uh, i've really gotten to know a lot of people really well and yet for most of you we've never met for many of you, I've never even seen your face before. And so I really love this opportunity to have a community member on the screen with us to get to know them better um, and, and to just grow this community and strengthen this community. So that's what we'll do tomorrow. And of course, we'll be on Clubhouse tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern to uh, start the conversation a get to know you conversation and have people introduce themselves to the community. And uh, I love this one on the screen from Pam. Michelle Mazer Magic. <laughs> That's a three word rebellion right there. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> very good. No, Michelle, thank you very much. Really appreciate you being here with us.
3: Thank you.
1: All right. And everybody out there, again, I appreciate all of you. I always appreciate you showing up for these. Um, I, you know, I say this every once in a while, I mean it every time. Thank you for making context and clarity a thing. Like I said, we started this April 9th, 2020. Uh, if it weren't for all of you, we would not be here today having this conversation with Dr. Michelle Mazer. So thanks for making Context and Clarity a thing. Uh, please be well, be safe, uh, keep those around you safe and well, and um, breathe a little bit tonight. Take a little bit of time, get rejuvenated, because we're coming back and we're going to do this again tomorrow. So thanks, everybody. Appreciate you, and I'll see you around somewhere sometime soon. All right. Good night, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's Context and Clarity Live episode. Selfishly, I love these conversations because I get to be the go-between between between you and some really incredible guests. To that end, I want to know what you think about today's guest. Message me on the socials. I'm really easy to find. I'm Jeff underscore Eccles everywhere. If you happen to run across a white-haired chiropractor from Austin, Texas, yeah, that's not me. I'm the other Jeff Eccles. Oh, and if you have an idea for a future guest, tell me who it is and why you think they'd be a good guest for one of these conversations. Maybe we can get them on a future episode. Thanks again for listening. I appreciate you and I'll see you next week.
0: I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this. I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm not there yet because it scares the lot out of me.
2: Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where
3: do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical.
2: Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio.
0: One evening, stumbled into
2: one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst
3: the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that, (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term the process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges,
0: demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it?
2: Did we just decide a name?
0: <laughs> we did it guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere.
2: They come out of nowhere.
0: I liked it.
1: I saw it.
2: Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link
1: in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.